Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hello, and welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here with the incredible Tina Spring. And today, Tina and I, beforehand, we're talking about, well, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. How would we talk about this? Well, we could talk about that, but I don't want to talk that until we can have the guest, the guest on. I don't want to talk about this until we can have this other guest. So be tuned. Stay tuned for some really fabulous episodes coming up with some really great guests that we have, we're going to line up. But today, you get just Tina and me. But we were talking, and one of the things that we've been looking at, especially Tina, because she's really brilliant about this sort of thing, is what is socialization? And is enrichment, social enrichment, or toy enrichment, or just an enriched environment, how is that related to socialization in a puppy? And are they maybe two sides of the same coin? So Tina brought that up, and I said, I think that's a really interesting discussion. So let's talk about socialization and enrichment and how they're related to one another and what you can do to make sure that your puppy has an enriched and well-socialized experience so that you have that stable adult dog that we all want, who is welcoming to people, is not overwhelmed by new things, and has some cur- and retains some of that cur- natural curiosity that we love in dogs. So, with that, Tina, explain your theory. So, so, so all of that, like, I don't know if my head will fit through the door. Oh, um, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. You because you lost all that weight, so your head should fit through the door. We shrunk my head. It's great. Okay, so on December 21st, I posted to the Facebook page for the Your Family Dog podcast. So if you don't follow us there, please consider doing that. We're one of the best things on the interwebs. Um, We're the best part of Facebook over there. Um, But I posted a video of some customers of ours uh, following a puppy class. And this puppy class was super, super instrumental for me as a learner, as well as hopefully for my, my customers. So one of the modules we do for puppy class is specifically about socialization and how to help create those socialization experiences for our puppies, blah, blah, blah. And families are welcome to attend. We're wearing masks, of course, and you would see that in the video. Well, in the video that I posted is a five almost five-month-old German Shepherd puppy who's incredibly stable. Her name is Ruthie and her sweet boy, Samuel. And there's all this stuff in the room for the puppies to explore. And the puppies had explored it. The class was over. Now Samuel's playing and mom and I are doing a Q&A and we're hanging out watching this beautiful play session between this really tired German Shepherd puppy girl and her boy. So Snoopy and Charlie Brown. Um, And so we had paid attention to this all through the lesson. Like Samuel plays like a boy plays. He picks up the Frisbees that are there for socialization with the puppies and he's whipping it across the room and bouncing it off the walls and all like all the sweet boy stuff. Like he's just being a boy. He's doing exactly what I want him to do. And his German Shepherd puppy is taking this stuff completely in stride. But Odin, the little mini Aussie puppy who lives with teenagers was struggling with all of the changes in the environment. Like he's not living with children. He's living with older kids. And so the, the 
socialization for him with like a busy, you know, pre-adolescent boy is really different and watching a larger puppy play and watching all of that. And so we talked a lot in this class about how just play, whether it's watching it for the, the dog that's a little more concerned, maybe just developmentally, maybe that individual dog, how play and in and enrichment are socialization. And it doesn't always mean like sweet little Odin did not want to wrestle with the German shepherd puppy that that was really scary for him, but he totally watched her do things and his owners could reinforce him for watching this big gangly puppy play and watching the little boy throw the Frisbee across the room and the German shepherd puppy chase it. Like Odin wasn't afraid. He was taking it all in. Now, was he going to chase the Frisbee along with Ruthie? No, that that would have been too much for him. But it was a really beautiful example of how we could customize a play and socialization experience so that each of the puppies got out of it what we needed them to get out of it. And Odin will be more resilient when I see him on Wednesday, right? When he comes to puppy class on Wednesday, he'll be braver about the space because he was already braver yesterday than he was on Sunday. So it's it's interesting to me that the I said in my class yesterday, like if I when I raise my next puppy, socialization will be less something that I do to the dog. <laughs> Which I think is how we sometimes view it. Like everybody's like you must socialize the dog as if like you must inoculate the dog, right? And instead, I th- think I will take a perspective and I hope I am building in my customers a perspective of encourage your puppy softly to explore. And that might mean just giving them the opportunity to take it at whatever pace they need to take it. I agree. I I couldn't agree with you more. And it reminds me of two things. One is when we first brought, brought little Clemmy home, um, she was just a little bit nervous because I don't know this house and I don't know this yard. I don't know this sidewalk. And so, you know, I had her on her leash and I'd take her out and I would let her take as many steps into the yard as she wanted to take. I would l- let her take the lead for how far down the driveway or down the sidewalk we wanted to go. And what I found was that because I let her do that and then she'd look back at me and she'd get a treat. So she was rewarded for any of her exploration, right? Um, But letting her take the lead on it, what I found was that every time we went out, she went a little bit further until finally we were running down the street together. So I think that it's really important to understand the same thing that we find with, with people is that, you know, everybody likes new things, but they like it at their own pace. So don't overwhelm them with something right. that, that is, um, you know, it's, it's new things are great, but forced novelty is not great. And no, it's scary. It is really scary. And so you need to allow your dog or your kid or, you know, yourself or whatever to explore things. Horse. I mean, maybe yes. I learned this because as a younger person, I rode horses. Like you learn that if you try to force a horse, really bad stuff happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I found that with my daughters. They get hurt. It gets very expensive very quickly. It's terrifying. Like, it's super scary. And I think sometimes people 
Well, even in our classes, like I'll get families who go, can we switch puppies? And there are times I think that that might have merit that like sending puppy, hey, puppy a home with family two for a week might be really good socialization, right? Like, because it's getting them in a new environment and being handled differently and, you know, all the things like it's, it's a new and different thing. And with COVID, it makes all of this stuff harder because where normally I would say to a family, I want you to bake blueberry muffins and invite, you know, over the course of two hours, invite five different people to come over and have coffee and a muffin with you and just transition the people through the system. So the doorbell rings a bunch of times, people come in a bunch of times, people greet the puppy a bunch of times, but we're really, really invested in homemade fresh blueberry muffins. So they're a little bit distracted from the puppy. Like that's a really great exercise that we can't do right now. <laughs> because right. we're not allowed to. Right, so, but that reminds me too, the, the second thing I was thinking of when you were talking about this was something that um, May, Dr. Megan Heron who was the veterinary animal behaviorist at OSU, she has now moved on to a different job, but she did some research in, with some of the shelters in our area. And one of the things that she found was that dogs who receive an, an enriched environment in the shelter, now they're not going to see people all the time. They're going to see a certain amount of staff and people who are walking by their their pen or whatever, but those dogs who had an enriched environment, who had intelligence toys, who had things to do to explore and investigate, were much more successfully adopted. They blended into the families better. They just did better in the home. And so I got to thinking about that when you were talking, because it seems to me that that was a form of socialization and that what we can do during COVID is a couple of things. Um, one is we can try to enrich their environment in as many ways as we can so they have an experience with a wide variety of novel things and can interact with it as they see fit. That's going to build resiliency. But the other thing is, as I was thinking about when we had Eileen or Elaine Anderson on to talk about uh, canine cognitive dementia and um, what she was, or dysfunction, canine cognitive dysfunction, which is basically puppy dementia or doggy dementia. One of the things she talked about was Dogs need to investigate the world, but a dog with dementia may not have the ability to go for a walk anymore. So what you can do is bring the dog, bring the world to the dog. Take your dog out and she would take her dog out and allow him to sniff the tires on her car because it gave him a wide variety of, of, cause she'd driven all these different places. The other thing she would do when she came to the, when she'd come home from the grocery store, she'd put the bags on the, on the floor and let the dog sniff the bags as another way in which the dog can get some um, stimulation. Well, we could do that with puppies during COVID as well. You know, you can get them out. You can let them sniff your tires. You can let them sniff the tires of the, of the, when you're going for a walk of all the cars along the way, you can, you know, allow them to sniff the packages that you bring in the house. Um, all these right. things can add to their experience because dogs smell the world. They don't necessarily see it as much. So if we can give them a wide variety of smells to encounter in a safe way, then that can't help but enhance their socialization. Well, when you, like, let's say you decide, okay, I'm going to clean out that closet in the guest room, right? You pull everything out of the closet. What does the dog do? They come and sniff everything. Right. right, and they, they walk into the closet like, and lay down. Surely there be dragons in that hall closet, right? So when 
I think, again, families sometimes, and honestly, dog trainers too, like we make it super complicated. It's not that complicated. You can take your dog, assuming your dog is comfortable socially, you can take a dog to Lowe's Mm -hmm. and walk around the garden center on a pretty day. Obviously, don't let them drink the water. Obviously, don't let them lick venomous, poisonous plants, right? But they can just take in a new and different environment. When my senior dog, who passed away two years ago, was old, he couldn't go hiking and biking and all that stuff anymore. I would go, when we went out and explored, I would bring back paper bags full of leaf litter and dirt and sticks and spread it on the deck and let him. So I brought the hike to him because he couldn't go to the hike. Didn't you do that with pine cones? Well, we, I did send Karen, um, Karen deeds. (laughs) Pine cones. That's right. I remember we we had a whole discussion of pine cones with someone. And she was hysterical, right? Cause I got this text from her that was very much in her, um, gifting of like, who the heck, I'm cleaning this up for our, our G rating, who the heck sent me a box full of pine cones? And I was like, you told me you didn't have pine cones and my pine cone cup runneth over, right? Like, I will totally send you pine cones. And her dog loved them, right? So I, I think, like yesterday in puppy class, we got, I got out egg cartons that were clean and we put a little bit of kibble in it and we just let the puppies explore the egg cartons. And then- when they were done with that, I said, okay, if we flip it over, that's a little bit different puzzle. If we drizzled, you know, plain Greek yogurt in it, that would be a different puzzle. If we froze it for a couple of minutes, 15 minutes, that would be a little bit of a different puzzle. If we put, you know, um, shredded chicken in there, that would be a different experience. So I think a lot of the times we just don't think about how normal life stuff can be a little bit more exploration. Get out the cookie sheet, throw all your measuring, your metal measuring cups and spoons on it and toss a handful of shredded chicken in there and let your dog move around all that stuff and then throw it all in the dishwasher and wash it. Like they're not going to ruin it. That's right. The, the, and then you learn to play the, what we, the game we call Kaspling, where you pick up something metal and you throw it and he goes, Kaspling, um, which I love. I love cosplaying, not because I am enchanted with the noise, but because it helps to bombproof my dog against noises like that. When I right. have made that noise myself, and this is really fun, and look what mom did. She jumped. Isn't that hysterical? Right? Then <laughs> they short your life by three days, <laughs> but okay. But, but that's the thing. Like watching in a good socialization puppy class, the puppies are going to startle themselves sometimes. They are going to frighten themselves. And then they go, oh, that wasn't so bad. So I'm like, no, no, no. We want it to be kind of like, I don't know, going on a haunted hayride. Like, you're not terrified. You frightened yourself a little bit. Hopefully. Right? (laughs) Hopefully it wasn't actually terrifying. That would be the opposite of socialization. Um, But they are going to startle themselves a little bit. Right? They are going to surprise themselves. So when the next time you're at the grocery store, bring balloons home and tie them to a chair. Floating stuff is off-putting to dogs. Like it's not supposed to happen. So you could put on a garden glove and pet your dog 
while they're laying on the sofa next to you. That's weird to them. They're like, what are you doing? It's a socialization exercise, but it's not complicated. Right. It's just. Well, I think also too, the more we add diversity to everyday things, like the, the, the egg carton using it lots of different ways. The other thing is, is it doesn't matter if your dog destroys the egg carton. You know, those, I, I use the, the cardboard ones rather than the styrofoam ones. And so that, you know what, if Clemmy eats a little bit of it, it's not a big deal. And so, and we talked about that. Right. Yeah. And so like the styrofoam ones are easier to clean. So that's what we have in class because we reuse them. Right. And the puppies are completely supervised, not only by their families, but by our crack staff too. Right. Right. Um, we are on it. We are not letting puppies eat styrofoam. But at home, I would totally use the cardboard ones if I'm prone to distraction, which let's face it, we all are. Right. Well, the other thing um, that I like to use is I, I have for Zuzu, I have a muffin tin that just has six holes. And so I will put various treats in there. Some have treats, some don't. But then I put a tennis ball on top of each one. So then we have to right. figure out for I know if, if Bingley had it, he would have just picked it up and flung it. Right? Like, this is easy, Mom. But Zuzu's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? There's a tennis ball on top of my treat. Can I possibly pick it up? Because Zuzu's special. Um, but it's great because then you can, or you can use other things. You can, I can, I've used uh, little, the muffin cups, the little, the paper ones, put a treat and put the muffin paper upside down. So we have to try and figure out how to take that off. So I think that what you can do is there's so many things in your house that you can use to create puzzles and intelligence toys. Because I think the other thing, one of the, why do we socialize? We socialize because we want to boost our dog's confidence in the world in which they live. And so I think anything that we do that increases our dog's confidence in their problem-solving ability or the fact that I can encounter something new and instead of be afraid of it, be curious perhaps about it. Um, I don't want to be totally curious about like, you know, pesticide and stuff, but the more we can increase our dog's confidence, the more we are actually achieving that socialization goal, which is to create a confident, stable adult dog. So the more we can challenge them and they find it intriguing and fun and look, I figured this out, then we're creating a dog who's going to go into adulthood with a certain level of confidence in their own problem-solving ability. And I think that is an under-talked about, that would be a term, an uh, under-discussed um, aspect of socialization. So what do you think, Tina? I think so too. I, and I, again, I, I think sometimes people view it as a once and done, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say I take my puppy to a, a beach and the puppy doesn't really enjoy it, right? They're not afraid, but they're not like, it's not the Hallmark movie that I expected it to be of, you know, a puppy frolicking in the, in the water and in the waves and in the beach. Well, we can repeat that, taking it at the puppies or the dogs, that dog's pace, right? I, I am, for example, I am a marinator. I am not a run and jump in girl. So I sometimes frustrate the people around me because I need time. I don't make decisions quickly. Now, once I make a decision, it's pretty much made. But often I marinate. Um, and I think we are in a pretty impulsive culture 
and time at the moment where if I want something, I can just jump on Amazon and immediately order it. Right. Um, not even taking into consideration, like, do I really want that? Or is it just an impulse? So for, so I, maybe I understand that marination a little bit different for a, a puppy. This little mini Aussie that we have in class is lovely. He's, he's a really, really great puppy. He's a little more shy and tentative. He also doesn't live with an adolescent boy who's, you know, busy and funny and loud and goofy and fun. Right. So letting that puppy take in that child interacting with his own dog builds the little mini Aussie's resilience because he goes, oh, okay, that looks really weird, but it that also looks kind of fun. And, and probably by the end of their tour through puppy class, he'll be right in there playing with them. Right. But he's getting lots of looks at it. So I love, I mean, I don't want to, again, if we know it's safe, if we know the puppy is exploring on their own and they're not overtly stressed, I'm all for letting them move at their own pace. And I think sometimes when we have like a timid puppy, we have a tendency to like want to jump in and rescue them when they're not actually really upset. Right, right. Like, right. Uh, this sweet and this sweet mama is doing a really great job raising this puppy. She is, but at one point he squeaked a little bit, and that's just his voice. Like he was just talking. All of his body language was he was he was good. Like not even he was fine. He was good. Right. He which I did an interaction. The other puppy looked at him. He squeaked at her. Um, but he wasn't. He wasn't panicked right which is when we've talked about stress signals we have we talked about the idea that you need to look at the whole dog in the whole situation you need to be able to recognize that little squeak man man, i'm a bit nervous but the whole body language is saying but overall i'm fine so i think that another part of of socialization has to be learning body language and really understanding what your dog is communicating to you so that when things start to tip in the direction of I'm uncomfortable, then you do intervene. But to also take a step back and go, is this okay? I was thinking about when we had Dr. Lily, um, who's a behaviorist at OSU, we had her over for, for brunch last year, just about a year ago, as a matter of fact. And um, she was enchanted with Clementine and Zuzu and the way they played and how Zuzu, because Clemmy was just a, a, she was like four months old at the time, maybe three, four months old, that way Zuzu tempered her playment, her playing, so to be appropriate with Clementine. And she said, I don't see this very often. So she took video to take back and show to her students. And I was thinking, oh, Clementine's starting to get a little noisy. Do I need to intervene? And it was just a lovely reminder to me to watch the whole thing, not just one dog and one movement, one noise, but instead to have an expert say, no, this is lovely. And it was just, sometimes I think we need a reminder, somebody to tell us right. what is nice and what isn't, but also to, to remember. Well, and how to, have, how to have that child or that puppy's back. Right. Right. So one of the things that I said to the, the mom of the sweet little mini Aussie was I was like, sit on the floor and just crisscross applesauce if you can <laughs> she can um and just be home base for him that what that if if he goes and explores and he needs to come and touch base like a talisman and then go again it's okay you're right there you're a touchstone for him great um, idea tina great because idea. her tendency is to pick him up and i'm like oh, okay I, i'm not sure that that's actually 
a great way to handle that, right? Um, because there is a little bit of, I think sometimes our emotional response, because we heard something we didn't watch, right? We didn't see what was actually happening, um, will tend to make us wade in and add an energy to an interaction that maybe wasn't really right. there. Right. Right. So, so an example in a, in a more typical example would be, um, someone sees a dog coming on a walk and they tighten their leash on their dog, even though their dog's not reactive and they have no reason to believe that other dog's reactive either. It's just, there's a little bit of that niggle in the back of our minds, like, Ooh, this might not be okay. That changes what we do that informs behavior on the part of our animals, our kids, our right. spouse, our business partner, our podcast partner, whatever. So if, so I need to be careful when you start lip licking, is that what you're saying? That, uh, <laughs> when I'm gone, it means I need more coffee. So, so one of the things that we do is like in these puppy classes, we do deconstruct it a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that same puppy will come to puppy class on his own tomorrow and I'll take the pug to go play with him, right? Because mom's not going to be afraid that the pug who has, I don't know, eight teeth is going <laughs> to murder the puppy, right? It'll be fine. And he'll get to explore on his own. And I'll tether the pug because the pug is sometimes a little overenthusiastic about being friends. Like everyone is my friend. Um, but it, there's just this layering in and teaching families the same way that we're teaching the puppy, right? We, we've talked about that parenting is, is it's planned obsolescence. Like our goal mm-hmm. is that our children don't need us anymore. Right. 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 So I kind of sort of view that that's a learned skill. Like it's really hard to to parent mindfully in a perspective of the goal is that the kid doesn't really need me anymore. That is a really tough one. And Um, it's a tough one. I think it's tougher for moms than it is for dads. But that's just my opinion. So, yeah, like I, I don't know. I think Chris struggled with it more than I did, which is interesting. Yeah. Um. I, and I think there's like a whole bunch of layers of that experience too. I mean, maybe, maybe it was different because I adopted a child, an adult, you know, a 13 year old versus a birth child where that journey's a little bit different. Like maybe that fed right. into it a little bit. Um, mine came to me pretty independent already. So I didn't get to do the first words and first steps and bounce the bike and win right. different firsts. So, um, but I do think that that layering that in for families is important to say, okay, well, it's kind of sort of the same thing with your puppy. Like our goal is a stable, interdependent adult dog that can do all of the things. Now, are they all, my pot cake are never going to be social butterflies. They're never going to want to be the greeter at Walmart. My pug would love to be the greeter at Walmart. That would be like his best day ever. Right. Right. The, until he fell asleep because he wore himself out. So that's OK. It doesn't mean that the pot cake are broken and bad and it doesn't mean the pug is broken and bad. It's they but they are different. Right. Um, right. Well, the other thing I wanted to point out is when you're talking about the 
Odin coming tomorrow and just having the pug. What reminded me is one of the things that I did when I was running puppy classes was I always figure you could, it's, it's pretty easy to tell who's the most timid. It doesn't mean that they're scared necessarily. It's just they're perhaps more reticent. So what I would do is I would have all the puppies on tethers or with their owners and let the timid dog off lead to explore a little bit. And then whomever the timid dog picked as a playmate, that was the next one to come off lead. And so what I found that to be was a very effective because the puppy was having a say in who I get to play without being overwhelmed by the, the, the really exuberant lab. So then I might send the exuberant lab and the over-the-top golden to another area to play because they were great together. But I found that allowing your dog to have choices about, and I, and I take this into adulthood, because even after your dog has been socialized, one of my paramount things that I teach my clients is that our dogs have so few choices in life. They don't get to choose where they live or what their beds are like or what food they're going to eat. But the one thing they really ought to have a choice over is who I meet and for how long. And I think that giving dogs that kind of choice will help to build resiliency. It will also give you a much happier dog and one who doesn't feel like I have to take things into my own paws to resolve the situation because um, nobody's got my back. So if you allow your dog to make a decision about, and then really respect that decision, if the dog does not go up to greet somebody, they are not allowed under any circumstance to come and greet the dog because the dog gets the choice. So I think it's important right, and to... And we can still enrich it. Yeah. Right? Like, can we hand, you know, can we feed the, the dog tiny little pieces of chicken while we're converse, having a conversation with that person? Yes. Can we reward the dog for checking out softly, relaxed, that person. Yes. Absolutely. Right. We can still use that as an opportunity and we can engage the human by saying like, Hey, would you like to help me? Right. Um, the pug is the pug came to me, what I would consider over socialized. He would actually shriek if you did not let him greet another dog or another person. We spent about six months working on that because that is insane. Like we're not doing right. that. We had, um, you know, we had Dr. Um, um, pa Packle, Christopher Patchell talk about um, that very thing. We'll, ha we'll I'll link to the episode about um, socialization leading to overzealousness, that you need to be yeah. really careful about the socialization. The other thing I wanted to mention is that when you're talking about, you know, like the little, like Odin when he shrieked, um, one of the things that I was, you know, what I like to look at when I'm watching dogs playing is if one seems to be a little bit more assertive than the other and like, oh my, people get really panicky. Oh my gosh, is he being, is he bullying? Is he, is he being a bad dog? How, you know, how is the other? I said, well, what I always do is look at who's receiving the action, right? So if one dog is seeming to be over aggressive, what's, how is his partner responding? If his partner's like, right. bring it on, man, this is great. Then I'm like, then he's not inappropriate. But if the other dog's going, whoa, Nelly, this is like way well, too much. That was, so that was the interesting thing. The German Shepherd wasn't even touching the mini Aussie. Right. She she wasn't she wasn't moving fast. All he went to sniff her. She turned and looked at him. That was it. And took a step in his direction, and he squeaked. Probably because it just surprised him. Right. I don't I don't think the interaction was bad. It just wasn't. But but we hear a squeak and he's little and she's big and we worry about it. And I was like, OK, guys, we, like 
watch what's happening. Right. You need to look he's, at the entire he's situation. Not distressed, and she's not bullying him. She didn't even touch him. She didn't. She moved like two inches closer. Right. And and when we distracted her, she was easily distracted. Like we tossed a piece of food more than once. The two puppies went because owners are learning skills too. two puppies went to grab the same piece of food more than once. The puppies navigated that beautifully together. Nobody got angsty. I think one time he got it. One time she got it. They didn't worry about it. We redirected immediately after there was no resource guarding. Like I think sometimes we react before we've actually analyzed what what's going on. Now, of course, I'm not going to ever sign up for, you know, the big puppy is beating up the little puppy. Like we're not, no, I'm not no, that no, game. that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is that you need to look at the whole situation. You need to look at both dogs. You need to, figure, the other thing is, is we want them to figure these things out. We want them to have some social navigation. We want them to go, okay, yes. I don't really give a rip about this treat. You can have it. But maybe I get the next one. Those are important skills. Like, so, okay, let's say little Odin was was concerned about the interaction with an interaction with sweet Ruthie, who was perfect. I'm not rescuing him from that. I'm not gonna let it escalate. Right. But I'm not rescuing him because she wasn't doing anything. Like that was the most polite greeting that kiddo's ever gonna get. So he needs to learn how to have a little bit of a spam folder and to know just because that puppy's bigger than you doesn't mean she's coming over here to squash you, right? And honestly, handlers need to learn that too. They need to learn how to sit with their puppy, keep them safe, obviously, but not overreact to the situation either or you're feeding energy into a system that ought not be there, right? When my kids were a little apprehensive about getting in the pool, I just sat with them with that. That's it. I was like, it doesn't matter to me if you ever get in the pool. If you don't, if all you ever want to do is stick up to your ankles in, that's fine. I mean, I think that would be kind of sad. You'll be missing out on fun in the pool. But the world will not come to an end if you don't like to wade in the pool. It'll be fine, right? And all and all of those kids eventually decided that you know they could cannonball in the deep end. Right. right. It's about giving, letting them be where they are and support them in that and not over or underreact, I guess. That's what maybe that's the, right. like, sit with them in the moment. And I think, like, I don't know, humans like to do. And there's a lot of just do being in the moment with them. One of the, one of the lessons that of COVID for my customers has been how to take a reactive dog and go sit in a quiet place in a yard and fall asleep in the sun. Right. I do not actually charge for this lesson unless they need me to do it with them the first time. Right. Because for a lot of dogs, just being outside, just being in a store, just being in the car is overwhelming. So until your dog can handle that set of circumstances, they can't handle more. Right. So I literally have said to people, take your dog, put him in the car, in the driveway when it's cool and, it, you know, it's not, you don't even have to have the car run. Let him fall asleep in the car. They, they'll do it eventually. I mean, not a dog that's totally traumatized by the car, obviously. But if you have a dog who tends to be a little hypervigilant in the car, 
about joggers and other dogs and squirrels and whatever, motorcycles. And excellent exercises homogenize the experience of the car. We get in the car, we chill out, we take a nap, we get out of the car. Right. We go in the yard, we chill out, we fall asleep in the sun, we go back in. Right. Well, one of the other things I will do is is with dogs is is downtown Granville has an area that's that's sort of real focused activity, but then there's lots of got big wide sidewalks and lots of other areas where there's lots of benches you can sit with a varying degree of traffic and people walking by. So one of the things that we'll do with class or I'll do with individual lesson is we will go and we'll just sit at one of the benches that's pretty far away from the hub. And we just feed treats as people go by and watch the world. And then we slowly move towards the more busy parts so that the dog right. learns, I can just be here and chill and watch people go by and watch the dogs go by and watch the bikes go by and everything's fine. So I think yeah. one of the things that, that we should probably um, summarize what we're talking about here and the whole idea of what we're talking about, especially with COVID and Lord knows how long this is going to last, um, is that just because we may be housebound doesn't mean that your dog cannot be socialized. It doesn't mean that you can't find ways in which to enrich your dog's life so that we have experiences that will help to bring him into being a confident and comfortable adult dog. And that may include bringing things to the dog. It could be really working on providing a wide variety of intelligence toys that will give it um, some stimulation in a different way, perhaps allowing it to to sniff things that is spend more time on a sniffari. Don't just go for a walk. Give your dog the opportunity to sniff the world and to watch it from a distance. There's no reason why you can't stand you know, at a street corner and feed treats while the world goes by. doesn't mean you have well, to interact and, with people. And really, the dog sets the pace. Right. Right. The learner sets the pace. So um, I've been doing this with Marco a little bit. We go to the local shell station. In the beginning, Marco didn't want to get out of the car. Just being in the car at the far end of the parking lot, watching cars go in and out and people walk around, was right at his kind of he wasn't he wasn't scared but he was uncertain that's kind of where I was okay with him being uncertain that was kind of my marker because all I wanted was for him to stretch a tiny bit I wanted him a little bit uncertain and then to resolve to relaxation right and we drove around the block and we did it again right and the more you do that and it was the same kind of thing with Clementine when we went out I allowed her to go as far as she wanted to go we went back in the house and each time you add a little bit more what you're doing is you're building that resiliency which is what your dog needs as an adult dog so Tina if you had to summarize what we've talked about in three sentences that you want owners to remember what would you say if they don't throw up you're not feeding enough treats have a loose leash at all costs. Like if, you're, if your leash is tight, you're done. You're, you're doing it wrong. You need help, call us. Um, and, and the learner always sets the pace. Those are three great suggestions. And I think that that's a really good summary of what we've talked about, especially the learner sets the pace. And I think if you're willing to do that, um, then what you're going to do is you're going to find that you're going to build a dog who has confidence because you've allowed it to explore things at its pace. So with that, 
I think that it's probably time for us to to wrap up. One of the things I will say uh, once again is I is um, if you have a puppy and you need help and you can't get to a trainer, please check out Tina's 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy because that will help to get you what you need for your dog. It's a wonderful program, lots of videos and support. And I think that if you can't get out to get to a trainer, this is the next best thing. So 90 Days to a Perfect Puppy. I have some families who are using it in conjunction with a puppy class, which has been really fascinating. Yeah, I, um, I could see that. Because they they found that it helps them in between lessons. Yes, yes, I think that that's probably great. And there are certain aspects of it that I use with all of my clients that I have found to be very successful. So thank you, Tina, for that program. I think um, you'll find... I'm glad that it's helpful. Oh, it's extraordinarily um, helpful. So anyway, so check that out and make sure you check out our website for some um, links to, um, I did a blog on Force Novelty. That'll be linked to, uh, we did two episodes with Colleen on resiliency and um, we have lots on socialization. So there'll be plenty of links for you to, to go to, to follow up on some of the things that we've talked about. So with that... I love that. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us on Your Family Dog, and we will see you all next time. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.